here we go. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, Jonathan, Brandon, and boys. Today, we are going to recap this past Saturday's UFC main event, which took a last-minute turn as Sean Strickland faced Nazardini Mavov. We'll get to that in a minute. We will then get you set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC 283. Mm-hmm. Two titles on the line as Glover, say it, John? Texas Shara. <laughs> takes on Jamal Hill for the vacant light heavyweight title. And we finally put a fork in the flyweight feud between Brandon Moreno and Davison Figueroa, squaring off one more time for the flyweight title. And lastly, all the news and happenings in the world of mixed martial arts. But first, boys, how are we doing? Late Saturday night. Yeah. Coming in hot. These are always a wild card, man. These, <laughs> these are always a wild card. <laughs> we can never really say how these are going to go. So. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Some of the late episodes. Yeah. 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 So UFC Fight Night, uh, Imavov and Strickland literally just finished about 15 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to come in and fire the episode up, though, because this will come out uh, Monday. Obviously, you're listening to it on Monday. Um, and this is the Monday after the Gaha Open. Um, but, um, obviously that, that's like a, what, a probably a three, four hour thing. Yeah. If anybody remembers last year, that next episode was a little rough. Mm. Yeah. Trying so to do it that same day. Yeah. So we made the executive decision that instead of trying to do the Gaha open all day and then, uh, go back to my house and, and record the pod that we would just do it here the night before. Um, so I guess that we can't really talk about the Gaha Open, even though as they're listening to it, it already happened. So I'll just say head to our YouTube at Neon Valley Podcast mm-hmm. if you want to watch the Gaha Open, uh, because we are going to be doing a watch along slash live stream. Um, and uh, I guess if it's not up by now, it doesn't take a little bit to get the yeah, it, bigger video. Though? It shouldn't this time. I okay. think I figured it out. But if it's not up, it will be up some point this week. We'll have it in our story. You'll know when it's up. Technical difficulties. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, also something I want to put out, or put out there at the beginning, um, I kind of wanted to give it a week and see how it went. And and I think it's going to work out good. Um, so we didn't really promote it last week. Like I thought we would, but, uh, verdict MMA, uh, is a company. They kind of do like a lot of scoring stuff historically. Um, Mm -hmm. and they came out with their very own MMA fantasy league. Um, and it's really cool and they're actually doing it by season. So it's actually not for the full year. I think the first season is over in July. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I think so. I think so. Um, so we have created a neon belly podcast, uh, MMA fantasy league. Uh, so download Download the Verdict MMA app, jump in our fantasy league, face off with us. We're going to have some fun. I'm pretty sure there'll probably be something given to the winner at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely next season, we're we're definitely going to figure something out next season. But, yeah, come face us. Put your picks on the line. Let's see what you got. And if you have a hard time finding the group, uh, message our Instagram, and we can send Mm -hmm. you, like, a direct link for it so you can get right into it. 
So, but yeah, come you on over. Make a, pick a against personal? us. I'm already in there, man. Oh, yeah? I'm in second right now. You're in second right now. I already looked to see where we're at. <laughs> I have not looked yet. Yeah, I haven't looked. I don't think I did very well. Did this you change week. your like your username and stuff? Or did you just stick yeah. with what I have? No, I changed to what I usually have. Yeah. Well, four, 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 four. Yeah, so you basically, it's actually very similar, funny enough, to how we do ours. So you actually pick your fighter, who you think is going to win. Then you do like a round and a method. And then you have like little boosters. So you kind of wager points on, mm-hmm. you know, if you feel really good about yeah, a guy. I didn't do no boost this first time. I didn't wager anything. <laughs> yeah. So I think I did on all of them. And they have a belt system. And yeah. Yeah. You can get your blue belt real quick, I guess. Mm. Um, so yeah, come face off with us in the Neon Belly podcast group on Verdict MMA. Uh, we also jumped in some other ones too. So um, I am, for the record, I am running the Neon Belly one. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't make it a personal one because just for the record just for the pick so people know right these two obviously running off their uh personal uh mm-hmm. accounts so jump in there face off with us let's have some fun and we'll figure out something for the winner uh at the end of the season uh brandon before we get into the episode though rate sub follow let the people know oh, all right so with these you're gonna have to bear with me today guys on the request i'm just i'm dragging i know your sleep schedule is changing nate so yeah. you're dragging too but um, all right, guys. So, like you said, YouTube is up and running. So, check that out when we get some more content there. But also, you can follow us on Spotify. Give us five stars. We're on Apple. You can leave us a written review. Those are always appreciated. We just had a few recently we read out on the pod. Mm-hmm. We will always do that and shout you out. And that really helps us grow and spread the love across the country, the world. Um, nice. Also on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's, that's our main ones. TikTok. We're on TikTok as well. Yeah. Absolutely, at Neon Belly Podcast um, for all of those. So uh, make sure you get in there. We definitely appreciate it. And boys, we are going to jump right in to UFC Fight Night. Uh, Before we do, though, I do want to say, before we get into this full recap, as I mentioned, we are recording Night of the Fight. 15 minutes ago, the main event finished. Um, So obviously, we haven't seen much post-fight stuff. Actually, some big news just dropped literally right before we hit record. So we're going to react to that in our news with the whole Francis and Ganu, John Jones, real gone. So stick around for that. We're excited Mm -hmm. to talk about that. But we're literally just like right before got that news. Um, So in terms of injuries, fighters calling people out in post-fights or, you know, the rare fight announcement that gets made, anything like that that's been said, done, if Dana's had a press conference other than the John Jones, the the heavyweight stuff, we don't know. Right. So don't get mad at us if we say something. It'll be in next week. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's big enough. Yeah. You have the luxury of Monday you're hearing this. So if anything has happened between um, this time Saturday night uh, and Monday morning, bear with us. Our apologies boys here we go ufc fight night and off top as we said main event change kelvin gaslam dropped off this card midweek boys due to a mouth injury um which was pretty disgusting if you saw the picture i don't know what was worth though the mouth injury or the very blatant staph infection on his cheek i don't know (laughs) what the heck that thing was um but nonetheless had to drop out uh so sean strickland steps in on just like two days notice i think it was Wednesday Mm -hmm. just a few days notice to assume back-to-back UFC main event duties I saw he's the only fighter to main event back-to-back UFC events since Tito Ortiz in 2006 it had to be the Wild West days because they're way too organized (laughs) nowadays to have to do that but but Tito Ortiz beats Ken Shamrock lost the next one Mm -hmm. to Chuck Liddell 
So with that being said, the new main event with Sean Strickland and Nazardine Imavov, not only is he the second, but Sean Strickland becoming the first UFC fighter to win back-to-back main event. Or no, oh darn it, what am I saying? Okay, remember when Brandon said the whole thing about (laughs) sleep there? (laughs) Yikes, boys. Uh, Uh, Never change, Nate. Yeah, never (laughs) change. I'm like, like my face is legitimately red right now. I don't know why I thought he won his last one. Uh, This fight, too, I did have in my notes, did not mention. This fight was officially a light heavyweight fight. Um, So we're going to do that again, though, boys, because Sean Strickland (laughs) defeating Nazardine Imavov via... Unanimous decision. Let me say off the top, I'm not taking that out. That is staying no, in. No, it has to. Yeah, that's staying in. Uh, boys, Sean Strickland, wow. Um, mm-hmm. I thought he won almost every aspect of this fight. Uh, really, in my opinion, just kind of controlled everything. Um, I thought he really got Nazardine to kind of fight his fight. And really, in a sense, kind of almost bullied Imavov around, I felt mm-hmm. like. Um, I think Nazardine came out hot. And then with almost every minute that went by, uh, Strickland just started to slowly kind of chipping away to the point that by the end of the second, really, I felt like he was in just total control of that fight. Um, and having just fought a few weeks ago and losing a bit of a controversial decision, Decision, right um mm-hmm. good for him man to step up on a few days notice and get a last minute win over a young killer uh that a lot of people were thinking was a future contender in nazardine imavov but your guys's kind of initial reactions as we sit here right now to what we just saw from uh, sean strickland so yeah so last time last time i was kind of critical with strickland when his fight with cannoneer about not letting go right not mm-hmm. really pushing the pace much and just kind of staying a little too much outside yeah and that kind of cost him i feel like for that close fight and then this fight against imavov i feel like he completely turned that yeah. around and you really did get to see a little bit more of those blitzes that yeah. more forward movement and I think that was really the big difference maker there was him really kind of letting his sure. hands go a little more. Um, had an interesting little takedown thrown in there. That was cool. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Don't you feel uh, like he could do that more? I do, like, man. Just kind of, especially in a fight like that. Like I, I just felt like he was so... <sighs> I mean, it has to be said, I felt like he was just so much better than Imavov. I just mm-hmm. in every kind of aspect, every department of the fight. And you have to think, once again, a couple days notice, Imavov just had a full camp. Granted, mm-hmm. it's a short last minute fight for Kelvin, or um, for Imavov as well, with Kelvin dropping out. But still, man. I mean, kind of wonder too, and in Strickland's Strickland, so who mm-hmm. knows, right? But I wonder how much of that is, you know, it is a late notice fight, you're fighting at 205. Just let it go, man. Just well, get, get in there, fight, yeah. you know, to see what happens. And For maybe sure. maybe some of that just catering to Strickland. And, and I and I think that is an, a big thing for him. Um, but I also think um, with Strickland, I just completely lost my train of thought there. Apologies. It'll come back to me. It's going to be a fun one. Go ahead, John. I think with Strickland, Strickland, this is essentially the, if you're showing somebody what does Strickland look like at his best, I feel like it's this. Yeah. It's crowding all the punches and kicks, landing his combos. You know, he was mixing up those teeps to the body to kind of wear down on Nazardine. And I think he, and they said it in the commentary, but he makes guys fight at this closer than kickboxing, but a little bit more distant than boxing. Look when Nazardine had that initial success, how far away he was. He was kind of on his toes, bouncing, controlling the distance, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, as the fight went on, he just got more and more and more in that phone booth, you know, in that pocket, Mm -hmm. just to get teed off on, really. And, I mean, to speak to what you said about, um, you know, Strickland and how you were talking about how he made a lot of adjustments, um, that left hook wasn't landing as much. Like, you can definitely tell he was thinking about that because he knows people are going to go for that. Um, And I... in the fifth round, last, you know, 30-some-odd seconds, he's throwing Superman's going forward as much as he can yeah. because he doesn't want to get, you know, 
screwed out of another decision in his mind. So, I mean, good on him. And, I mean, I, I do still think Nazarene has a lot of potential. But I think with Strickland, you have to be able to stop him from doing his style. Like, you have to be able to stop him from going forward and make him think about other things or else he just goes into autopilot and most guys can't find a way around that. What I was going to say when I lost my train of thought is I think another thing for Strickland, and I, and I was going to bring this up, is I think there's two – you almost have this case, right, where you got your Max Holloways who are like – Oh, I, I just don't spar at all. And then you got a guy right here in Strickland who I'm pretty sure probably all Strickland does is spar, right? Like, yeah, I don't think he's never not sparring. Um, and, and it pays off, you know, because I think that's what we saw too is short minute or last minute, excuse me, you know, a couple days notice. It's like, yeah, but he's been doing, like I think they even said on the walkout, like he would have been doing this today anyways. He probably would have mm -hmm. gone five to ten five-minute rounds hard mm -hmm. with people in the gym. I mean, granted, I'm sure that there's a difference in pace when you're in a fight, you know, than, than when you're sparring, right? It's still a little bit more controlled. I mean, we've all sparred, so we do know that. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure there's a difference in, in a fight. But, granted, I think there's a case for that as like, you know, where we always talk about, well, maybe guys shouldn't spar because look at some guys that do it, you know, say mm -hmm. they don't and they have success but it's like well Strickland's kind of the opposite there and he's making a case for it as well as far as just always being ready yeah, I think it's the type of fighter you are um yeah. and, and, I, and real quick came in at 204 pounds I believe at the mm -hmm. 205 fights at 185 so right there it tells you he doesn't let himself get too crazy I mean mm -hmm. I, I'd be really interested to know how many you know 185 pounders you know like Apollo Costa or Marvin Vittori who probably get close to that 220 range sometimes <laughs> when they're out of camp mm -hmm. right you know and i know he's not too far removed from having just made 185 but still like clearly stays in some decent shape which once again you may attribute that to the amount of sparring he does yeah and i think his corner did a really good job uh curtis was telling him you know take something off his punches because in that fifth you did see him kind of wear down a little bit yeah. i think the last minute-ness and not having kinda, the full camp it was like the third one of those rounds i was like oh boy he's getting tired yeah and yeah. He, he'd eat a he'd eat a good shot and it kind of looked like he'd get a little sloppy and they kind of tell him bring it back in clean it up you know take a little <laughs> bit off yeah and he just made really really great adjustments and uh just just another really great Sean Strickland fight. I think for Imavov, honestly, a lot of... And, and I mean, it, it's easy to say this sitting here now, but I honestly don't think the Gasolin fight would have gone much different because exactly what we saw is kind of what I said last week is cardio is a bit of an issue. Um, and I thought definitely by the end of that second round, he was already taking some really deep breaths, which going back to the Buckley fight, that third round, which... Same thing in this fight. He kind of lost it there a little bit. And then the power, man. You know, I know we've always heard, like, oh, you can't teach power or that one-punch knockout thing. But, man, same thing, man, um, as that Buckley fight where we saw Imavov, like that that uh, left hook, John, that you're talking about, that lead left hook, that mm -hmm. he landed that flush. I mean, mm -hmm. he didn't miss it once or twice, but he did end up landing it flush in that first round. I mean, didn't even seem to phase. Then he had a big overhand right that landed flush on Strickland. Same thing, hard, hard. Um, I mean, just like pitching a fastball almost and just nothing, you know, yeah. just didn't even, and it, I feel like it was that same thing in the Buckley fight a couple times where I'm like, geez, man, he is just smoking this guy and it just doesn't seem to be translating into like, I mean, I'm sure there's damage. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it just, yeah. it's not, they're, they're not like a, a fight changing blow that it seems like it should be. Yeah. So I, I don't know. That's just, I guess as we continue to watch his career kind of unfold, I think that is something to watch the cardio and then 
There just seems to be something there with the power. Right. It's hard to use Strickland as that measuring point, too. Ain't right? that Because he He's eats tough. everybody's stuff except but for the, the <laughs> current champion. I mean, so. yeah. And that, and that just shows you right there. Two guys landing the exact same punch. And right. Look at and, the difference. And, and I do think it's going to take somebody with that type of an X factor sure. or um, a skill to get through Strickland because he is so sound. Like, yeah. even on some of the takedown attempts, Sean didn't have any problems with it. He did good in the clinch up against the cage. Like... He, he's very, very sound, sound, and like you said, he's constantly training, so you're not going to, like, out-train him. You have to have a technique that yeah. really, you know, overwhelms his style. And good for him, like I said. I mean, this puts him right back in the mix um, at 85. Obviously goes without saying, you know, he said he do, he just wants a title shot. He doesn't really care how he gets it, how he gets there, who he fights next, um, but I think this throws him, you know, coming off a close loss to Cannoneer, probably didn't fall much anyways to begin with, mm -hmm. um, and then here he is, you know, um, getting right back in the mix, I think, with a win over Imavov. But like I said, so much credit to him because, man, he actually was higher ranked than Kelvin. I think Kelvin was 10 and Strickland was 7. Mm -hmm. um, so to be willing to come in on two days' notice and face a number 12 guy, yeah. I mean, that could really – I mean, we're, we're here starting a new year. I mean, that could really start his career off um, kind of on a rough year, just a rough start to the year. So mm -hmm. congrats to Strickland, man. And ah, I just like the guy, man. I don't know what it is about <laughs> him. I just – he's controversial. It, it, but, man – That's he, probably why. It, it just, it's fun, man. And I, he, he does – he what he does, I just don't think anybody else really does that mm -hmm. that that way. So, congrats to him. I mean, I just think it's awesome. I don't know what's next for him though. A lot of those guys are tied up up top. Yeah, for sure. So, but is his willingness to fight under? You know, there is like a a couple guys at the bottom or a little bit lower down that maybe sure. you can match him up with. Or Give if he wants to stay nickel. at, or if he wants to stay at two hundred five and fight like a lower two hundred five guy. I mean, this is probably obviously an easy cut for him. I wonder what he would look like with his. His style up there. Boys, our co-main event, Dan Ige, <laughs> defeating Damon Jackson via second-round knockout. <laughs> Boys, if you're going to stand in front of 50K Ige, you best not miss, son. <laughs> Dan timed Sheesh. a beautiful left hook as Jackson was coming in and kind of throwing an uppercut, and he just timed it beautifully. Um... Kind of like the main event, man. I just thought this was a dominant performance by Ige. And with all due respect to Damon Jackson, I just thought the gap between them seemed very evident here. Mm -hmm. um, and Dan, 50K, Ige proves that he still belongs at top of this featherweight division. First win in two years. Mm. Yeah, it's awesome, man. And he talked about, um, you know, how some of this, like he's been doing anything he could to try to get back into his mind state for this. A lot of it being kind of between the ears for him over these past two years of trying to figure it out. But... I mean, I great performance by him. Damon Jackson is just a, a different tough. a different type of technique guy. It's hard to kind of plant what he's gonna do. It's very weird and awkward with how he throws his strikes. Very tough. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if that if that hits the chin from Danny Gay, it's hard <laughs> to Yeah. Yeah, and there were a couple attempts from Jackson. Like we said last week, this is going to be a big test for him. Clearly a very big jump oh, up, yeah. and Ige just really made it look like Jackson didn't belong in there yes. with him at all. Mm -hmm. um, not much more you can really say about it, man. Ige yeah. just really pieced him up on the feet, even had a good takedown of his own. Yeah. Um, 
So great showing for Ige. I mean, that really is what it was. The shots were something that I thought, like, okay, I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind for next e- Dan Ige fight because it was like, you know, we kind of thought Damon Jackson was going to have that yeah, advantage. Yeah, that's what or, I said. Yeah, I mean, it just it seemed that way, you know, being more the the submission-based guy. But, yeah, man, congrats to uh, 50K Ige, as John said, getting his first win there in two years and keeping it moving, boys. Roman Kapalov defeating Punalele Soriano via second round TKO. And boys, if we were going to give out a body shot of the year award, (laughs) Roman Kapalov might have it wrapped up Mm -hmm. right here in January. That wheel kick to the body he landed on Soriano in the second round was just pure filth. Um, And those Soriano as tough as they come and fought on for a couple more minutes, the fight was really over right Right. there. I mean, just absolutely, like we talked about with, you know, Imavov with that, you know, kind of the lack of power there. That's a fight-changing strike right Mm -hmm. there. Um, But like I said, credit to Roman, man, who honestly just... I mean, I'd say it again, kind of dominated this fight. Mm-hmm. And um, just being willing to stand in front of Soriano, man, that takes some peotas. Yeah. Uh, and he did it. I mean, really. I mean, just like I said, I mean, you know what uh, Punalele Soriano is capable of in that situation. Um, but uh, credit to Kapalov, man. Started his UFC career with two straight losses. Now makes it two straight wins with this win here over Soriano. And just excited to see more from him, man. I, I think he has all the tools and really put on a good striking display here yeah, i think he's on a long list of these you know middleweights that are coming up and starting to make this division really really interesting in the middle part as they try to make their way up to that top part that's sure. been kind of the same for the past couple years yeah. his last fight i want to say it seemed it was pretty grappling heavy i don't remember who uh, he fought alessio de kiriko I yeah he won and, by ko in third yeah and but I, from what i remember in that fight it was grappling heavy in this fight Very especially well rounded. yeah and mm-hmm. he's demonstrating that he has a pretty wide and two, man yeah. yeah not bad he did mention that was the last fight on his contract, but I'm sure a win like that over a guy like Soriano, uh, mm-hmm. we'll definitely see a new contract heading his way. So uh, we'll keep you guys posted on that. Moving it on, boys. Controversy wasn't going to stay away long as Raquel Pennington defeated Ketlin Vieira via split decision. Ah, this is going to be interesting. I'm interested to hear you guys' take on this because I gave round one to Ketlin. Um, I thought she did a great job kind of – and same thing fresh off uh, the show, so I have not seen scorecards, so Mm -hmm. keep that in mind. Um, I gave round one to Ketlin. I thought she did a great job kind of just establishing her jab and timed some big right hands as, you know, Raquel Pennington moved in. Um, And then round two, I gave to Pennington. Um, Another close round, but um, I felt like Raquel was the one kind of coming forward and doing most of the damage. Then the third round was just as close. I mean, as most of these yeah. rounds were, just super close. You know, both ladies exchanging some exchanging some opening shots, almost going one for one at the beginning of that third round. Um, then most of the round mainly became a positional battle along the fence, which I kind of felt like Ketlin won. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't much to it, I will say. You know, there wasn't much damage, but there wasn't any from Raquel either. Um, so I just don't know how else you score that other than, I felt like, for my money, I saw Ketlin controlling the fence a little bit more there, or, you know, controlling Raquel, even kind of attempting to go to the back. But mm-hmm. And I know that seems so crazy because it's not a big deal. We understand that. But what else do you score on there? You know, right. so, um, but not a robbery by any means. I mean, same thing, super close fight. Uh, but your guys' thoughts on the decision? I was in and out of this fight. So I was watching these fights at the restaurant. So I'm going to be honest. Like <laughs> from what I saw, there was round, I want to say round two, there was very big shots being traded by both. Um, I saw Kel land very big. Um, but the other sequences that I saw, um, 
Raquel looked like she was, like you said, losing those exchanges yeah. against the fence because she had her back um, pretty significantly, at least one hook in. I mean, it was standing, granted. Mm-hmm. but um, So I don't know. Again, I didn't see the whole fight, so it's tough for me to say more beyond that. But I, I felt like... It's interesting because I agree. I think one, I think it was one one going into the third. I gave him the same rounds as you did, but I, I wonder if for Pennington in that third, when she did have when Catlin did have her back, but you know Pennington's throwing punches trying to get off, and you don't see Catlin going to drag it down I mean, or Kellen going for was a throwing submission. Ease, I think in that moment as well. I mean, I, it was just like I said. It, you know, when you're when you're talking like those fine margins, it's like I don't know really what they are looking at at that right. point. Um, but man, I mean, it was just super close. I mean, it's like I said, I, I'm not calling a robbery by no. any means. I just, I felt like I, for like I said, for my money, I just felt like Kellen was controlling more at that point in the fight. But I mean, and and I think that the first round was close. I think they were both hitting each other a lot. I thought Kellen did used her range a lot better. Yeah. Um, but you know, Pennington felt like she was going for it a lot more and had, you know, a lot of big moments. And then I, I do think that she was landing some really good knees with her back against mm-hmm. the cage to Ketlin in the second round and a little bit early in the third. So I, I'm kind of with you. I don't I don't see it as a robbery, but I do. I, I'm not mad at, you know, Raquel getting the W because I think she had a really good fight. So the big question, Raquel Pennington just beat the number two ranked Bantamweight. She's on a five fight win streak. Mm-hmm. Is she? The number one contender for Amanda Nunez is 135-pound title. I think so. I don't think you can take it from her. I don't know who else you give it. Who has a more impressive? I think she has one less win than Nunez has in that whole division, period. And who else has a five-fight run like that? Nobody. Do you... I, I feel like we say this about all of Nunez's potential contenders. Just like, do you see... When you think about the potential matchup there, Raquel and Nunez, does that... Does that feel? Does it sound competitive to you when you think about it now, after just watching Raquel fight? You know, it's funny because I kind of thought Kellen, like in my head, I was more processing that for Kellen because mm-hmm. I thought towards the end of that fight she was going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my head, I'm thinking like, man, I don't really know if I don't know if she's going to have much to offer Nunez. But it's interesting, you know, she's got the size and length, and and, and I think I think Kellen, I think her tie boxing is really impressive too. I mean, mm-hmm. when she's kind of in in that that. Um, that tie range, you know, where she's throwing elbows and knees and stuff. I think she's as good as any other female in that division. But yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? Because I will say for Pennington, she's a dog man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you kind of see that's how Pena was able to beat her, right? Um, I don't know. I yeah. don't, I don't know. I really don't. I felt like Kellen was just way too pensive and she was trying to do counter and like make her walk into yeah. a big strike instead of well, using that, that jab and staying on the outside and, and you know, that was really, kind of her problem in the Holly fight. Yeah. I mean, that same thing, controversial decision. And in my head, I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. She's going to get another, you know, decision. And I already knew regardless of who won that people would probably feel like the other one did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you remember the famously that, uh, Andre Pennyettes, did you come here to be a tourist? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so yeah, Kellen's got to figure some things out, man. I think you know the lesson she's got to learn. She's so good, man. I think she, I really think she has more to offer. She mm-hmm. just has to find a way to start letting it go. But credit to Rocky Pennington, man. I I do think she's gonna get that. I think she's gonna get that title fight. Yeah. I just don't know who else you give it to. Crazy run, and I mean, like I, like you said, um, who else? There's not really anybody else there outside of doing another Pena fight, which I know she's been calling and begging for. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be mad to see Raquel get a shot at it. The interesting boys, Umar Nurmagomedov defeating Hayoni Barcelos via first round knockout. Do we hit it again? Oh, yeah, we did. 
lunging left hand, boys, sends Barcelos straight to his back. And, man, he was out cold. Uh, hope he's okay. Anytime you see a guy kind of fall straight to their back like that and the way his head kind of bounced off the mat, that was scary. And even Umar kind of... He dropped the hammer fit. I mean, instantly you could tell he regretted it and mm -hmm. kind of tried to, you know, he apologized afterwards. Um, same thing. You know, we're sitting here now. I haven't heard any update. I mean, he got, he was up. I mean, he was okay, but he was out for a while. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, boys, Umar becomes the first man to knock out Hayoni Barcelos in his career. Moves to 16-0. and 0, um, And I just think this was a huge statement for Umar. Only his second knockout victory. Um in his career, I believe the first one, too, was more of a TKO. So, you know, this mm -hmm. is a clean, you know, we've seen Umar, you know, kind of primarily decision submissions mainly or how he gets it done. So to see maybe the hands are getting there, too, man, he's uh, definitely contender at 135 pounds. Yeah, I, I'm, I was a little confused of him getting this fight at number 11 with so many big names that aren't necessarily booked and even big names under him like an Adrian Giannis or a Jack Shore that could have been really big fights for him. So I definitely think that has to be the next move. It's like, not his fault. He said nobody wants to sign him. Mean, he said he wants to go again in March. He called out the whole division, told mm -hmm. the rest of the 35ers to stop ducking him. I believe him 100%. Those guys don't say no to anybody. Never. You know, it's yeah. always the other way around. Um, but I do agree. I think it's time to see Umar facing some top 15, if not top 10 Ricky talent. Um, he's he, Say what? Ricky Simone. Yeah, I mean, he's that he's that good. I mean, and continuing to feed him unranked talent at this point is just not doing anyone any mm -mm. favors. What's the, like, how, how, what's the solution to that, though? If guys keep ducking, how do you... I don't know, because I don't know if... I don't know, once again, like, I don't know the policy behind that of contractually how they can make somebody take a fight or... Mm -hmm. How many you can turn down, you know, but like to, to what John's saying, Ricky Simone, Pedro Munoz, Song Yidong, Dom Cruz, and Marab all ranked above him. Um, and um, as we record this, to my knowledge, do not have any fights lined up, any of those guys. Mm -hmm. um, I know Marab's another guy who says no one wants to fight him, and boy, that matchup sounds oh. intriguing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. I, I mean, we've seen him do this before, right? A guy doesn't get any looks as a, a you know 10 11 12 guy they jump up and get the number 3 4 guy cuz nobody else wants to fight yeah. i think he he's in that vein to me as far as his skill level cuz this guy's looked almost untouchable up to this point and he just keeps on getting better and it's scary yeah. but that's the thing you know if you're if you're a marab dwalashwili and and to his credit you know he's like what number 3 i think yep. so it's like if you're sitting there as marab you know, I mean, I'm sure Umar, who's ranked 11 right now, he's probably going to move up a few spots, I'm sure. You know, but it's like, do you want to go face the number eight guy when you're literally one fight away from the title? Oh, by the way, it's Umar Nurmagomedov, who has just looked pretty much unstoppable to this point, mm -hmm. right? So, you know... It, I do get it, but that's why I say when you're questioning it, I don't think it's Umar or the UFC for bad booking. I just yeah. think genuinely people don't want to fight him because look, I mean, look what we see. Yeah, you know? I guess I'm not. I don't want to necessarily question it as much as I need to see ranked opponents sure. from this point because I know what he. I feel like I know what he is. I don't I, need to see him yeah, keep I, proving it against guys that aren't ranked. You, I need to see like, all right, how close are we to him and a Rob Font or you know a Sam? Well, Rob Font. Rob Font's booked. Um, he is fighting, uh, who's he fighting? Somebody that's ranked right around him, I think. Um, so Fon's book, I mean, man, I, I think it will be somebody ranked. Cause I mean, you could even give him Saeed. I mean, mm -hmm. you can do the Nerma, the Nerma bowl. <laughs> yeah. That'd be know. cool. I mean, he's you, number 15 right now. Yeah. So. You know, so like some, and I think Saeed would probably fight him. 
I mean, I really do. It, mm-hmm. Because for Saeed, you know, especially if Umar moves up to like eight, you know, to be sitting there at number 15, I think he'll move up. You know, that, that makes a lot of sense for a guy like him, and he probably thinks he can beat him. You know, mm-hmm. it'd be a great fight. So, but I do agree, yes, have to, have to see Umar facing somebody with a number next to their name next. Uh, boys, that's all the recapping we're going to do, unless you guys had any more. Um, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan with a big win and hilarious post-fight interview. Go seek that out. Uh, calling out Joaquin Buckley. Um, but if no, you guys have anything else, Brandon, update us on our scores. Okay, so the only fight, if I'm correct here, that we actually get points for is the co-main because the main switch last minute, we didn't have picks for that. So mm, yeah. currently in first place, John, yeah. three points with your Danny Gay pick. That was a nice one. Uh, Nate, you came away with two, and I have zero right now. Mm. Yeah, zero so, points. <clears throat> Brandon, I know you wouldn't get this, but in basketball, there's this thing where if you're like a smaller college and you're playing like, like a big like like number one ranked team in the nation, and your team scores first, and it's like four to zero or th- or three to zero. Say your team makes a three first. Mm-hmm. There's like a running joke. Like somebody take a picture of the scoreboard so you can see that we're winning. Oh, was that John right? That's now? That's kind of John right now. Like John, take take a picture of the scoreboard. You <laughs> made the same pick I made. <laughs> take, take take a picture of the scoreboard, John, because it ain't lasting long. Let's I be mean, honest. I'm just saying this is how it's starting out. Who knows how it's gonna go, boys? Um, UFC 283, and are you guys ready to be disappointed? Because third shift Nate completely forgot a fun fact. And this is in Brazil, which almost hurts a little bit more. Yeah, because I feel like every other one's Vegas. It's always Vegas, and I finally get a new one, and I completely... (laughs) Third shift Nate forgot it. Uh, But guess what? First shift Nate's back next week. So, with that being said, you will get a fun fact, but it'll just be next week in the recap. Because I ain't missing one. Mm. (laughs) I think it's in Rio, correct? Yes. Yes. So First time since the Aldo... Yep. Um, Mendez too, I think. Yes, or, I'm not 100% sure. It was the auto fight because they talked about it during the uh, the fights. So I'm nearly perfect on this podcast. Never mess up. Hardly ever. Today's been a rough one for it's you. It's been though. a rough one for me. Um, but I promise you next week, you will have a little fun fact about Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. But nonetheless, boys, this Saturday, as we mentioned, Rio de Janeiro, our main event for UFC 283, Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill. Who's setting us up for this? Brandon, take it away. All right. So before I jump straight into the preview for this fight, I just want to set the precedence as to why we have this fight. Because Mm -hmm. a few months ago, well, was it a few months ago? Two months ago, Uncle Live, Yawn? I want to say that was two months ago. I should have wrote that down. We just had a title fight for this weight class between Jan Blachowicz and Uncle Liav, Magomed Uncle Liav. And that fight was okay. And some called for a rematch. Some called for, you know. It ended in a draw. Yeah, it ended in a draw. It was a a close fight, um, but not the most exciting. Sure. So Dana White pulled a Dana White and said, okay, we're just going to put Glover up there against Jamal Hill. We're just going to do a new. That night. Yeah, right after the fight. Right after the fight. Made the executive decision. So that sets us up for this fight. We have the number two, Glover Teixeira, versus number seven, Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. Glover is 6-1 and one in his last seven. Glover rode a five-fight win streak into his title win against Jan Blachowicz, who he beat via second-round rear naked choke to win the belt. He was the oldest per- is the oldest person to win a belt to this day in the UFC. Glover then took, fu- pl- took part in a fight-of-the-year winner against Yuri 
Yuri Prohoshka, where he lost the belt via fifth round rear naked choke with 31 seconds left in the contest. Glover was expected to rematch Yuri until Yuri suffered a shoulder injury, which forced him to vacate the title. And as a result, we now have Glover facing Jamal. Jamal is on a three-fight win streak with finishes over Jimmy Crew, Johnny Walker, and Tiago Santos. Expect a very, very fun striker versus grappler matchup as Glover Teixeira looks to use his black belt jujitsu against Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill, who likes to use his nickname very, very literally in his fights. Not even just black belt jujitsu. I feel like Glover doesn't get enough credit for kind of transforming his game into like this like single leg you know, take down heavy approach, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, definitely still not afraid to get in the pocket and let it go. But uh, I think his, you know, realizing he's probably getting older, shouldn't be taking as much punishment on the chin. I mm. think his single legs, man, especially on the cage, are just like unstoppable almost yeah. at some mm-hmm. point. And some like a, po- and almost like a 205 Damian Maya. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it, it really is. It's kind of unreal. Uh, so, John, a warning everybody, Lonely Heart Boys pick incoming. What is your pick? Uh, first he's, place he's doesn't first. pick first. Yeah, well, oh, that's right. Boy, last place sorry. picks first. Sorry, I am so used to being in first place. Uh, <laughs> or Brandon, John being in last. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we guess more of that than anything. Uh, Brandon, yeah. what is your pick for the vacant light heavyweight title fight? This was a tough one. I'm going to take... Um, I'm actually going to take Jamal Hill. Um, I think that he's actually, I think the young, the youth, I think that's actually going to play an advantage for him on the ground. We saw Yuri get some wild escapes. So I think that, I think that Jamal has those capabilities on the ground. So I'm going to go with Jamal. I'll say second round knockout. Don't you just still feel like you just, John deserves a little charity. Like he should pick first. Like last year was just so bad that he needs all the help he can get. Oh, let's see what uh, he does here. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's see what he see. does. Uh, lonely bar, lonely heart boys. I can guarantee coming in for that one. Yeah. Uh, dude, what a, what a great opportunity this is first off for Jamal Hill. Um, I thought it kind of seemed to come out of nowhere, uh, or no, I'll say this though. It seemed to come out of nowhere. Uh, after Brandon mentioned the, the Blachowicz Ankalaya fight, you know, we can't forget he very, very much deserves this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, he has beat some of the biggest names in this division. Who, who, Go ahead. Yeah, who finishes Jimmy Crew, Tiago Santos, yeah, and Johnny cr- Walker? And that's the thing, like, he's looked impressive doing it, especially mm-hmm. that Tiago Santos where he kind of had to dig deep there. Mm-hmm. Um, no doubt. This is the toughest competition, though, that he has faced. As I do think Glover is and will go down as one of the greatest light heavyweights to ever do this. I really believe that. Um, but I honestly think Hill presents a lot of problems for Glover, and primarily on the feet, believe it or not, with the power. Um, he's also going to enjoy a little reach advantage, where I think you know he's really good at utilizing that as well. Uh, Glover, though, like I said, fantastic boxer. Um, probably the best pure boxer in the division, if I had to be honest. But I think his best interest in this one is probably going to be to try to take Hill down. Um, But that could even be difficult as well. You know, Hill has also displayed some really nice takedown defense. Um, You go back to his last fight with Santos. um, And yes, Santos credited with six takedowns in that, but Hill defended 20. Yeah. Um, And you'll take those numbers all day if you're Jamal Hill, you know, six for 20. And from what I remember, even when he was taken down, it wasn't the most impressive as far as Tiago being able to hold him or or even get off any damage. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know Glover's chin, you know, has held up recently. You know, he's taken some shots, been in there with some big power punchers. Um, But submitting them has kind of been the best way of finishing him as of late. Most, you know, that's how people are beating him. Uh, But I went back to 2016 and watched Glover versus Rumble Johnson. Hmm. And Rumble put Glover out. I mean, Mm -hmm. to sleep in like 15 seconds. Sent his mouthpiece flying. Nobody has put Glover out like that since nobody 
And like Rumble, I just think Jamal Hill has just otherworldly power. Um, and since that loss to Paul Craig, uh, he's had three straight knockouts with three straight KOs, has Jamal Hill. And I think he makes it four in a row here. And in honor of the late, great Rumble Johnson, I'm going to say give me Jamal Hill, baby, by first round knockout. Let's go, sweet dreams. <laughs> so pretty much everything you guys have said it was what I was going to say, so I'm just going to say it's a lonely heart boy pick, even though it's the same facts. I think <laughs> I think the Rumble comparison is right there. I mean, even if you look at the Paul Craig loss, like he had to like break his arm, and the referee had to stop yeah. it for him to do it. Like, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't even tapping. Right, and then the dude just went out and partied with Paul Craig right after. Yeah, like He's just a different guy. He has almost 80 inches of reach. And that's his only career loss, right? Yeah. And yeah, the, and I mean, the, he, I mean, he did lose it. I'm not going to say he technically didn't lose it. He did lose it, but he lost it because his arm broke. Right. And outside of that, all he's done is pretty much knock out everybody. Sure. So it's one of those things to where, you know, we've seen him dig deep now. We've seen him get put into waters where it's like sure. you got to pull something out. And that power translated into the fourth round. Right. And I think that happens even here. I think he has a chance to put this out at any time, and it's going to be on Glover to, to get to that single leg and really stifle what Jamal can bring. But he's going to have to be able to finish him because I do feel like if Jamal can get back up, he can still knock you out. So you said second, you said first. So I'm going to take third round knockout for Jamal Hill. All right, boys, in our co-main event for the flyweight title, the champ, Devison Figueiredo versus the interim champ, Brandon Moreno. Uh, boys, this will be, as we mentioned, the fourth meeting between these two um, and is the very first ever quadrilogy fight in UFC history. <laughs> so uh, weird to even hear. Yeah. The the first fight in this feud was a draw. Moreno won the second fight, and Figueredo won the last matchup in January of last year. So it is 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Uh, heading into this fourth fight, neither man having an advantage in this rivalry definitely, to me, left the door open for this quadrilogy fight at some point. Uh, mm -hmm. But the biggest need for this fight right now is obviously the circumstances that played out last year. Because after that third fight, um, Davison spent the last year recovering from injuries. I believe undisclosed. I, to my knowledge, they were never made public of what that actually was. Um, but that left the door open for an interim title fight, and that's exactly what the UFC did, right? Uh, so in July of last year, Brandon Moreno defeated Kai Cotta France at UFC 277 for the interim flyweight title, which then forced this title unification bout. Um, and one of the biggest headlines, I think, actually heading into this fight um, is with Brandon Moreno being a James Krause fighter. He obviously had to leave the gym there in Kansas City um, as the UFC put bans and restrictions on fighters training with James Krause after the whole gambling allegations that are playing out right now. Um, Ariel, or, uh, excuse me, Moreno told Ariel Hawani on the MMA Hour that he did return to Vegas and enlisted the help of Fortis MMA's very own, the General Safe Saud, uh, to help him finish out this camp. Um, and Moreno's a guy who I think has moved around to different gyms so much and he's had different coaches. So I just don't really think it's a huge issue heading into this, but I think it is worth mentioning that. Um, obviously Figueredo spent most of the last camp under Henry Cejudo. Seems like he returned to his home gym there at Figueredo MMA down in Brazil. Um, I wouldn't really call that a camp change by any means, but same thing, you know, new gyms. Um, so maybe some new wrinkles here. We'll see. But Brandon, take us to your pick. This is... I tried to go through their fights. You can't. And you can't. And, and, Spoiler and, alert. Yeah, you can't. And try to kind of make some educated guesses. On That's what all it can, is. Yeah. 
And um, the I best, tried. yeah, the best I could come up with is pretty much anything can happen. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with Moreno round four submission. This is probably as closely contested we've ever seen a rivalry in the UFC. Um, these guys truly are both the best in the world at this weight class, and there's just not much between them, as Brandon just said. Um, these guys have spent about 73 minutes locked in a cage together. They know each other's game very well, and as much as it is a bit of a cliche, I just think it's going to come down to who makes the bigger improvements to their game and adds that new wrinkle to surprise the other. Um, so I'm educated guess here. I'm just going to go with the guy who I think is more likely to have made those improvements over the last year or those additions, and that's Brandon Moreno. Um, I think every fight we saw Moreno under James Krause, he did look improved. Um, and though he lost um, lost uh, James Krause there um, at the end of his camp, he kind of made it sound like the work was done, hay was in the barn. It was just kind of more about these last couple weeks just kind of, you know, Who made like that, Moreno? Yeah. He that just coming from him is, you know, he said he was kind of ready to fight before he even had to leave Kansas City. Um, so I like his chances. I thought the Kai Kara fight, he looked much better defensively, and I think he's going to need it here. Um, but I am going to go uh, with Brandon Moreno. What'd you say? I said fourth round sub. I'll say unanimous decision. It's a good one. This is interesting, man. First of all, there's no favorite in this fight. Uh, oh, yeah, Figgy's I, I, minus one fifteen and Moreno's minus one hundred five. I was gonna say it's got to be a pick. Um, j- and, and at this point, I'm kind of like you guys. I don't really have a lot of like intel. I just have like cool stuff I've seen. Uh, Davidson Figueroa, <laughs> his last six fights have all been title fights, but it's only been against three different guys. Mm-hmm. He fought Benavidez twice in a row. He fought Alex Perez, and now he's three in a row with Moreno going on sure. his fourth. Um, obviously Moreno is the only one who has a finish in their fights with his sub. So that you know that's something to draw from. But that's also. 2021 and you know three fights ago sure um it is in brazil man there's a chance that you know i think figgy could have some hometown love i'm actually gonna go davison figueredo and i'm gonna say i'm gonna say third round tko i think he maybe gets some some juice from the crowd and i do think that maybe there although moreno has changed camped a lot he was getting used to hearing that voice of james kraus in his corner and giving him guidance and now that voice is changing and who knows what that does to somebody's mind whether they allude to it or not so yeah i mean he's still i think his striking coach has remained the same so that mm-hmm. i can't remember the guy's name but he will still you know he's still very much a part you know his, his team back in tijuana or uh was it tijuana yeah Mm-hmm. I think he's from Tijuana. You know, same thing. They're still very much involved. It's just kind of like that. That like really what Saif Sayud's going to do is just kind of that guy to bring it all together. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it might make an impact, but I mean, I just feel like he's moved so much that I just don't see it being a huge thing for him. Um, but I, I don't mean, think in a fight this close, you got to have to kind of to pull yeah, it I one mean, little strain or the other. And that's why I went with Moreno. Yeah. I'm just going with the guy I think has the hot hand right now. I mean, he's just been more active, and especially over the last year, I would assume Figueredo had to sit out for some injury stuff. Mm-hmm. I will say I saw uh, Figueredo on his Instagram, and he looks shredded. <laughs> I mean, he looks like he's in phenomenal, like the best shape, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, weight cuts are always kind of an issue or a thing for him, and I'd be shocked if we hear that here. Watch him probably miss by five pounds or something. Well, he doesn't have to travel now. It's going to be in Brazil, so that makes it interesting too. Yeah, he look he looks like he's in just phenomenal shape. So, uh, but moving on to our last featured bout, John, take it away. Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny. All righty, we got an exciting matchup in the welterweight division with number five Gilbert Burns taking on number twelve Neil Magny. Burns coming off a razor close decision loss to Hamza Chamaev, where we saw Burns give Hamza everything he could handle. 
Uh, Neil Magny coming off of a submission victory over Daniel Rodriguez, winning three of his last four, losing to his only loss being to Shavkat Rachmanov. Neil Magny has also been in the middle of using his he's in, he's always been in the middle of things using his cardio and his length to give lesser fighters a beatdown and give better fighters their toughest fights. Burns is alternated wins and losses as of late, but has fought the best of the best, losing to former champion Kamara Usman, beating Wonderboy Thompson, and then lastly losing to Hamzat. There's a lot of uncertainty on who Burns will fight next. Uh, a lot of people saying they wanted it, but ultimately Neil Magny steps in. I think this is going to be a matter of Neil Magny staying away from the power and you know using that cardio and that length to keep Burns away and Burns just kind of working his way in. Um, obviously, we know Burns is very good with his submissions, so if it gets to the ground, I think he does hold that advantage, but I do think Neil Magny's going to have to duck those big, big bombs from Gilbert Burns. Yeah, yeah. Or you want to go into yeah, the yeah. picks and stuff? Yep. Um, yeah, so, for man, I love Neil Magny. I'm so glad he yeah. got this fight. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've been really wanting him to get this, but when it comes down to the fight itself, um, it's really hard for me to pick for him. Uh, I just think that Burns is a little bit better everywhere. I think Magny's more technical striker, but I think... Burns, like you said, John carries the power and he has the edge in terms of clinch control and the ground game as well. And um, so I'm going to go with uh, Gilbert Burns here. I'm going to take him by unanimous decision. Magny's tough. Um, I could definitely see him outlasting, uh, not outlasting Burns, but, you know, staying away from getting mm -hmm. finished. But I just think that uh, Burns is going to control this one. Yeah. Just like you said, for Jamal Hill, just kind of echoing that, you know, just a massive opportunity for Magny and one that he's not just earned but deserves. Um, you know, having just passed GSP as the winningest UFC welterweight of all time, he now gets the number five ranked guy in the world on a massive pay-per-view. Um, and let's be honest, if he beats Gilbert Burns, he's a contender. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's right there. Um, you know, that's a ceiling. I'll be honest that at times for Magny, I never thought he'd even hit or be here. So uh, credit to him for that. But it is very hard to watch that Hamzat Burns fight and just not think uh, that Dorino isn't one of the best welterweights in the world, even in a loss, right? Especially if Hamzat is as good as we think he is. And I think at this point, there's just no questioning, obviously, that he's an elite-level talent. Um, so, to, so to see Burns kind of go toe-to-toe -to -toe like that um, and not only hold his own, but to have moments where it almost looked like he was going to win that fight, um, it's just kind of hard for me to see where Magny has much of a shot here. Um, you know, Magny sometimes uses his cardio as a weapon. Um, he he kind of has this, like, uncanny ability and just will to just find a way to win sometimes. Um, but he's facing a guy in Burns with that exact same ability, those exact same traits. Uh, plus, I just think, like Brandon said, Burns is just better everywhere. Um, Magny's reach and size will be a thing that Burns will have to figure out, but ultimately, I do think he will. Um, I really think he gets it done on the ground. Um, so give me Burns by second round submission. Nice. Yeah, and, and kind of just to echo you guys, I, I think that, you know, Neil only loses to the top guys, and Burns sure. is one of those guys, in my opinion. And I think um, I think he's going to have a lot of trouble dealing with the big bombs that Burns will use to get to the inside, whether it's landing them actually on him or g doing it to get to a takedown um, or even a scramble. I do think that um, Burns will hit him and possibly drop Magny a little bit, and they will get into some scrambles. But I do ultimately think Burns will actually get to that sub. You called second, mm -hmm. 
and you said unanimous. Yeah. So I will say a uh, third round sub for Gilbert Burns. Yeah, and, and credit to Burns, man, for taking this fight as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, being the number five ranked guy, willing to go back and fight the number 12 ranked guy, you know, just like Neil Magny, he's another guy. He'll fight anybody. He doesn't care. He did um, it with his last fight, too. Hamzat wasn't as high ranked yet. Absolutely. Um, I will also say this, just kind of something else to watch um, that I think could be interesting is it'll be interesting to compare Burns's performance to Shavkat's should he win mm-hmm. um, because I think seeing kind of what Shavkat was able to do to Neil Magny quickly quickly very dominant it'd be interesting to see how Burns handles the same problem in Magny mm-hmm. um, and could give us a little bit of more insight on you know how good is Shavkat so to speak and I know styles make matchups and that's right. not always the best indicator but is something to watch there uh boys for the rest of the main card just need a winner these are our one point picks um the first one is Lauren Murphy versus Jessica Andrade uh boys Murphy lost her title fight to the champ Valentina Shevchenko but then bounced back with a pretty dominant win over Misha Ch- Misha Tate Misha Shate Misha Shate last <laughs> July uh then Jessica Andrade who since moving up to flyweight is three and one. Her only loss was also to the champ Valentina. Um, but she comes in with back-to-back victories over Cynthia Calveo and our 2022 submission of the year performance over Amanda Limoges. Uh, Brandon, who are you taking for this women's flyweight bout? Andrage. Jessica Andrade. Yeah, I'm taking Andrade yeah, too. Me it's, as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think Lauren Murphy's super tough, but Andrade. She's just looking in this different. past two fights. She's she just looked, looked like she's got it together, I, dude. I agree. I know it's tough. Uh, the next one pointer, boys. Paul Craig versus Johnny Walker. I believe this fight kicks off the main card. Uh, Paul Craig is coming into this fight off his unanimous decision loss to Vulcan Ozdemir last July. And then you got Johnny Walker who comes in off his first round submission win over Ian Kutalabe back in September. Brandon, your pick, please, sir. Craig. Really? Mm-hmm. The lonely hard boy in me wants to go Paul Craig, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm going Johnny Walker here. You know, I just feel like that last Craig fight with Ozdemir has me really... I mean, here's the thing. I would love to get proven wrong here. I love Paul Craig, but I just feel like the one-trick pony. I think he got kind of exposed a little bit, and I'm just afraid that, like, guys now know what... I mean, he's just kind of looking for double-unders, double-over, and he's just going to try to pull guard. I think... He's gonna come in with something new. He has. I, to. I think that the striking yeah, if, has to be. If better. he doesn't, if he does the same shit he did in that last he's fight, he's gonna get killed. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what. he can't. There's nothing for him. But yeah. if he can make one adjustment, give me a takedown, give me one good blast double. Yeah, you know, just then establish can, a jab. Yeah. You know, something yeah. to set those up. Even it's just you can't. Yeah, you can't just go get over unders or double yeah. under and just try to pull the guy just on top not, of you. I especially mean, not against like a Johnny Walker, who's just gonna yeah. probably like front flip out of it. <laughs> yeah, John. Oh, you're going Walker. Uh, I went, yes. I'm going Walker as well. But if, if Craig makes those adjustments, I easily see him winning this because I think Walker's really hot and cold. But if the adjustment's not there and he's just standing target practice, Johnny Walker is one of the last guys you want that to be. I agree 100%. That's it. Oh, man, I feel so bad about the um, fun fact, man. I can't believe I overlooked that. <laughs> yeah, we just want to apologize to you guys. I think we'll be all right. Let's get into the news. <laughs> going on the news. 
news. Uh, going on the news. Uh, uh. And if you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. The news. All right, fellas, we got a decent little bit to get to. So let's start off with what Nathan mentioned earlier with Dana White announcing that Francis Ngannou is officially an unrestricted free agent and stripped of his title. As of today, he can sign with whomever he chooses. Dana stating that they had planned to make him the highest paid UFC heavyweight in history. This opens Francis up to pursuing boxing and other promotions like we talked about last week with PFL. And obviously he's been noted in wanting to box Tyson Fury and these other things. And that's not that the UFC does not allow. So now things just get very, very interesting for one Francis and Ganu. Which keep, keep it going. Oh, so that leads to an announcement of who will be fighting for said title. Vacant. And, and that will be... The vacant title, surreal gone, and Johnny Bones Jones. When when is that? At UF in uh, UFC two eighty five in March. That's Vegas, baby. March fourth. March fourth. So let's dissect this into two parts here, because like I said, this is very fresh. Um, mm-hmm. Haven't even really fully had time to process it. The John Jones surreal gone thing we kind of got teased before the fight night started yeah, tonight. Just not official. Some T Mobile arena. Oh, I feel. Oh, that guy's probably gonna lose his job. Accidentally posted it on the marquee outside the building. Do you guys see that on the LED? Um, But uh, so let's start with, man, let's start with the Francis. I just feel like that's kind of the crazier, even as crazy as it is to think John Jones coming back, fighting Surreal Gone, which is a dream matchup in its own for the vacant heavyweight. The heavyweight title um, is massive. But man, guys, the best heavyweight in the world just got stripped of his title and is no longer in the UFC, essentially is a free agent. Um, I just really off the top i'm sure there's been other cases but i just cannot remember a time where the perennial best at anything uh and in any division was just let go um and kind of crazy that they did offer him a massive contract and it still wasn't enough for francis so the verbiage there i feel like is very important so like when you say vacate and let go was this a, a francis decision was this a ufc decision no the ufc well, both i guess i mean the well U- the negotiation window closed yeah they only had until I'm, i don't know if it's today or whatever so that closed so now um they have to i mean he no longer is contracted they have no matching rights nothing like he's gone I mean, so that sounds like to me that was more of an intentional Francis just waiting it out so he didn't have to. And, and maybe he was waiting to say, okay, we'll let you box or okay, we're yeah. going to give you $2 million to fight or whatever you're wanting. But now at this point, UFC has no chance to, to match anything. Or, I mean, they could still offer him things, but he's officially out on the market now. I mean, I yeah. think he can come back to the table, but like. If Bella, like when you have matching rights, like Bellator can come and say, like, we'll give you one point three million dollars a fight, and then Bell, and then UFC has the right to come back and say, well, we'll give you one point five million, and and they don't even have those rights. So he is as unrestricted a free agent as it yeah, comes. UFC like, can do nothing about whatever he wants. Whatever to do he wants forward. to do, I mean, they can offer him money, like yeah, like that, sure. but, but the contractually they can't stop him. Like yeah, how right. GSP can't do anything right now currently. Because of his UFC contract. Dana's quote was, as of today, he can literally sign whatever contract he wants. Like, Mm -hmm. he's cut off completely, stripped everything. So, that's crazy, man. Like, I I just, like I said, I've never seen the UFC. I mean, we even go back and look at John Jones. Like, how south were those negotiations to where we kind of thought that might never. And look, they figured it out. Mm -hmm. Like, they just always figure it out. And, um... I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. You know, obviously the picture came out this past week of uh, Francis posing with a family member, I believe, and he had on a PFL shirt. 
mm-hmm. kind of sent this whole thing spiraling a little bit in the last week where, you know, talks were already kind of getting crazy about, you know, what does this mean? Obviously, we talked about it last week, man. Jake Paul, this new super fight league, right? Changed everything. It, changed, it does. I mean, you can laugh, but hey. Now I'm if, laughing it, just thinking I, of like. He's Brands. the one. That I mean, does he's it. not gonna fight him, but no, you know, know. But it's yeah. like you know, they can, you know, they can do some some silly stuff. Fedor Emelianenko. I mean, you know, they can do some fun stuff that people will want to watch. And you know, maybe if Francis wants to hop in the tournament, he can make a quick millie, probably beaten. Their- so, what do you think that? Sorry, I cut you off there. But what do you think the mindset is for Francis walking away? It gives him. It gives him complete he has total all the rights. Leverage. He can go box. He can. He can go fight Tyson Fury now. But, but why? Because he wants, to, it's because he wants what he wants to do. It's clearly a money thing. Yeah, I mean, well, it's hundred percent. And now he has all money. the leverage. Because imagine this, right? Even if he doesn't box Tyson Fury, he goes to PFL, wins it, whatever, and the, the contract is only for that season or even one fight. He does something else big outside the UFC. If he wants to come back to the UFC, he has all the leverage, and he tells him, "Look, this is my price, or I'll go keep doing this." It's not the UFC kind of controlling the narrative of who's the most paid. In that situation, especially if he boxed Tyson Fury, win or lose, we've seen what that did to the stock of even somebody like Connor, mm-hmm. where it just blasted him into a whole other stratosphere. Him boxing Tyson Fury does make a lot of sense. It's massive. But, and, right? I mean, and the thing to remember with Francis, and, and I think this is kind of where his head at, if I'm assuming, I'm guessing, I think in the coming days, maybe even this comes out Monday, maybe even as soon as this comes out, we'll have more details on where Francis is. I'm sure he'll do an interview, probably on Hawani or something. Um, my guess, though, is Francis is 36 years old, mm-hmm. uh, and he just had, what, double knee replacements or something yep. like that? Get I mean, your money, man. And, and I just think he knows that window is very tight, and, I mean, who knows how, especially in mixed martial arts, right, which is, like, I think he can probably box a little bit more than he could probably do MMA at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you want to go fight John Jones or, I mean, one bad thing or a well, knee how tweet. How old is John Jones? He's probably close to 36. Like 34, I think. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think he's only like a year or two older than me. So, yeah, probably 33, 34. And I wonder if you're the UFC, if you don't have a John Jones and a Surreal Gone and some of these other like people who've built their name up in your heavyweight division, do you let I mean, somebody walk, like yeah, Francisco? Yeah, I mean, dude, they walked away from Fedor. Remember that? Dana famously, yeah, but, same thing, saying like, dude, we walked away from that. Like, thank God he didn't take that contract because it was a stupid amount of money. Yeah, just, but Fedor wasn't established in the UFC at the time. Like Francis is the biggest thing the UFC had at heavyweight but up a lot until John Jones made that jump. But right? I think a lot of people kind of thought at that time, especially that Fedor was the best heavyweight. I mean, I think that was a time where in the UFC, Brock Lesnar was the best heavyweight. Right. You can't tell me people didn't think at that time that Fedor wasn't. <laughs> you know, like Brock Lesnar, like no, Fedor Emelianenko. And people wanted to see that fight, right? So, mm-hmm. but I just, like I said, man, I just in terms of like, not just a champion, but like probably the best heavyweight in the world, maybe just gone. I mean, that's just crazy to me, man. It's, well, it's kind of another storyline that gets crazy too is if John Jones wins this belt, Francis goes out, boxes Fury, whatever, does what he wants to do. There's literally not a bigger fight in UFC history that you could sure. put other than Francis and John Jones in that moment if that gets to that right. point. Um, and John Jones, if he wins the belt, obviously, at heavyweight, he's done everything he needs to do for his legacy. But there will always be that, man, I wish he would have fought Francis. And now he doesn't get that chance. (laughs) John Jones is always going to have the well. I mean, every fighter kind of does. But But then let's get into that fight. I mean, that fight. I mean, if you had a dream matchup for John Jones' return, I mean, just in general, I mean, even before Surreal fought Francis, you could go back on this podcast and we were thinking of, like, salivating over the idea of that stylistic matchup Mm -hmm. between you know surreal and jones i think i think it's a fun fight man 
it's interesting because, um, I mean, obviously both of them. I don't know. I don't even want to start talking about the fight. Yeah. I'm already, I'm already starting to process the fight, like in my head. But Wait, you do or don't want to talk about the fight. I don't want to talk about it because I'll start going like too long on that, and I don't think that's like right now where the focus is. But it's a great fight. It's a fun fight. Um, I mean, just athletically, they're both extremely gifted, kind of similar. You couldn't, know, couldn't be happier with who it is. Like, mm-hmm. if it, I would much rather it's gone than uh, Stipe or Blade. I kind of prefer it over Ngannou. Yeah, 100%. I, I don't know why. Like this matchup to me just to me, if if Jones is going to win against Ngannou, he's going to wrestle him, right? Or he's but just going to dance with Gone. Well, Gone. That's why Francis beat Gone too. Yeah, though. what? A good point to wrestle him. Yeah, but the, and and John Jones is a way better wrestler than you know last minute. Francis. That's fair, but Jones is coming up. Yeah, yeah. and he's put on a lot of weight, so he, there's a lot of questions there. And I don't want to. Yeah. I'll get going on this. Yeah, it's. Too, it, so. I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's very exciting. I mean, in, who's who would have thought that if I would have told you, you know, two years ago that the UFC would lose Francis and they'd still crazy. have amazing, you know, fights there and like real polarizing opportunities there at heavyweight, you'd be like, I don't know, man, because he's already beat so and so, so and so. You know, DC not there anymore so i mean i think that's what's so hard for me to process is like it's not even like i can't even think about the fight right now because in my head i'm like man francis is really out of the ufc i mean mm -hmm. anything's always possible he could always come back but i can promise you he ain't coming back until he boxes like you know what i mean like he and even when he comes back it's like who knows where he'll be in his career at that point you know i don't think do you think he makes more money than mcgregor floyd or you think less Mm. By it, boxing fury man it's gonna be a lot yeah. it, it, if they can make that fury fight happen it will be massive mm-hmm. like i think it'll be huge because there's huge. nothing there's nothing bigger in any sport to me than heavyweight championship level oh, fighting and that will be the world's colliding pick your european and soccer stadium and it will be sold out you and know? both of them being in their prime too like it's and heavyweights you can't you know, like with the Connor and Floyd thing, you can hit people and you move around a little bit and it doesn't get as bloody. Heavyweights, somebody's going out with them too. Mm. Because, you know, Francis fights a lot like a Wilder where he's throwing winging wild punches and Fury's a very strong guy and it's... Uh. Doesn't Camp New Barcelona play? I think it's like 90,000 it holds or something crazy like yeah. that. Put it in Spain. It'll sell. I mean, it'll just go crazy, man. Yeah. I, th- I think it'll be a massive massive fight and for him if you if you sign this ufc contract you probably don't get that opportunity to box for another five some well, yeah. odd years well the thing is you, you and then s- you're too old well that and then you, yeah you sign the ufc com- contract maybe it's not exactly what he wanted but then you lose to john jones just saying hypothetically right. and he would have you lose to john jones that i mean who wants to see the fury fight now right you it's know not nearly I mean? as, as big right now he's coming off of a win against you're the baddest man on the planet right yeah. now and you're a free agent yeah. so i do get it kudos to Ganos. him yeah one two three four five six eight in my bank account that's right. what he's thinking <laughs> he's gonna be set up yeah uh i don't even know man like i said this is so fresh i i, I feel like i still need some time to process it but it's kind of crazy to think that they let him walk and then boy what a massive massive title fight we have on our hands now i, I mean that's just it's insane it's very exciting and um uh, well to cover up some other stuff that's happened this week uh, to follow up our coverage on D- the dana white situation dana white made a surprise appearance at media day earlier this week mm-hmm. where he talked about what his discipline should be for his domestic abuse telling people to not defend him and that he was wrong going on to say that there isn't a good punishment for what he did so he'll punish himself by having to live with what he did and people not having respect for him anymore saying that that would be way more of a punishment than anything else and reiterating that you don't come back from what he did. 
Yeah, the you know the announcement of all this stuff is very convenient timing uh, to throw all of this at us at once, right? Um, on a Saturday night, one week re- one week removed from that, you know, same thing, man. Kind of like last week. It's like, look, he's pretty much saying all the right things. He's saying the things that he should say in that situation, and and I'm not saying anything that nobody else has said. And you got to give him credit for it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's just not how things work, though. Like you don't, you know. Nobody, unless you're like a rich billionaire, gets to escape stuff like this. But at the end of the day, like I've kind of thought about it too, and I'm like, but his wife didn't press charges. So though he broke the law, he did, or you know, he did something that's illegal. No, there is no legal precedence without her pressing charges. Right, right. So at the same time, it's like I guess, like I mean, other than like a suspension or something, which, like you know, and I do agree with him. Like, what's that gonna do? Mm-hmm. Um, and we even said that last week. Like, that's not really good enough. I still would like to see him do something, though, align himself with something. You know, we'll echo that again. But, yeah, you know, just the idea that, like, oh, you get to live with it. Well, dude, that doesn't – that's yeah, not how life like, works, man. You know, all my friends and family, they're probably going to not respect me anymore. Yeah. And I don't know. I just feel like – and there's been – I mean, the John Jones wife didn't press charges. Tiago Santos yeah. ended up beating those charges. That's why he ended up being able to come back into the – or Thiago sure. Silva, I mean, was able to come back into the UFC. So there is a part of that. But I think the whole, like, that would be like being a kid and be like, getting an F and be like, I know you're mad, Mom, but the worst part's going to be me having to live with getting this F. It's like, that's mm. not how, you yeah. know, learning situations are supposed to be. I mean, but. and not to get, like, overly, you know, political, but, like, look at, like, the police that use excessive force and kill somebody. Like, they don't get to say, like, hey, I get to live with this guilt. Right. Like, that's not how it works. But granted, there's, you know, well, same thing, though. I guess it's not really the same because in that instance, you know, charges are pressed, criminal charge, and he just literally kind of did get away with it already. Anyway, on camera, do you yeah. feel like the it's comparable to the John Jones thing last from mm-hmm. last year? Yeah, very much so. Do you think more? It's a name. What happened with Jones? Do you remember? Uh, the a police or somebody in the hotel saw? No, no, no. As far as discipline, uh, yeah, like consequences. Well, nothing. Nothing. He wasn't, she didn't he, press charges. He didn't even have. He wasn't even. What yeah. should he have done? What do you mean? Like, what should have happened to him? Like, do you think he should have done something himself? Oh, yeah, 100%. Same thing. Mm. Like, you're meaning in terms of, like, aligning himself? Yeah, with, like, like, you doing, know. Doing more than just apologizing and saying doing more I than, screwed up. He didn't, even, he didn't even admit to anything. He said nothing happened, and I'm just well, that I'm is gonna true. stop drinking. Then he, just, then he just went into the gym and yeah. posted yeah. a couple of videos. But, you know. I guess, too, and once again, 100% am not defending the allegations that that were there is no video of it nobody actually witnessed it um it, you know it was all just his wife's account or what happened but i don't I mean, think she the pressed police charge. report yeah and i don't mm-hmm. even think she pressed charge no she so. didn't yeah so it's like i don't know what you do man these are unprecedented things unfortunately and we're you know something needs to be done though i think now that we're in the era of so much stuff being able to get put on video, it makes it a lot harder to let certain things go. I think yeah, it's when tough. you can when you can see the visual of what somebody did, and it isn't just a, an account or you know witnesses or something like that. When you see like I seen you do this, yeah. whether she presses charges or not, I know that you're the type of person who's capable of you know yeah. who's done this but, uh, in a situation. But Francis Ngannou is cut. We have a new heavyweight title and. And by March 4th, nobody will even be talking about it anymore. And that's exactly what they want. You know, mm-hmm. what, what you know, Endeavor, Disney, ESPN, whoever, what they want is for this all to go away. Mm-hmm. And it's it's going to happen. I did hear him talking about it this week on uh, Pardon My Take on ESPN. And credit to those guys, man. They were 
being pretty honest. Like I was mm-hmm. really surprised that ESPN allowed them to to really express how they felt about it and their disappointment over the lack of anybody offering any type of comment or anything like that. And then mm-hmm. Dana's self-punishment comments, you know, they kind of said the same thing. Like, yeah, it's just not how it works. Though, man. Yeah, and Dana even said about the fighters, like, I don't want nobody defending me. Actually, if you do say anything about me, say how much, you know, you hate what I did. Or, like, I, yeah, I, I appreciate, you know, well, the First Amendment. Like, I'm a big a yeah, proponent I think, of that. I think you just said if they have... From what I remember, he was saying specifically, like if if the any of the fighters have anything they want to say, they're more than welcome to say it. I'm sure. a proponent of free speech. I don't think it was so much like right rag on, which me. is another one of those like if if somebody does make a statement, it doesn't have as much sting because he basically came out and said, "Yeah, no, bring it, say everything you want to say." I mean, what's the inverse of that though? He's supposed to say, "Don't say anything," because that's what you're we're mad about. Is right. nobody saying anything? Yeah, I, I guess it's just the how everything has been able to be softened it kind of just doesn't sit right well, i just me. think it's words like he's saying the right words right. but there's just no action or anything behind it really this seems like anybody's trying to do anything to ensure that it doesn't happen again in his situation or within the ufc like now what's set a bar of like yeah, if you do what, this this will happen there has to be a new precedence of like yeah, you're done. But you can't say you're done now in the UFC and then continue to let him show up to at events or s- sign John Jones to fight one of the biggest fights that we'll probably see the, this year. So the world turns, man. Mm. <laughs> what uh, we got next? Yeah, moving into that, another thing that could uh, eat up some of that is in uh, a big bit of information added to the ongoing James Krause case, it has been reported that James was essentially a third party to oversee betting sites. Um, who placed he placed bets people who placed bets with Kraus overseas betting site. yeah not, overseas not just like overseeing he was, no yeah, yeah overseas I like, think it was in Costa Rica yeah coast kind of in that in that area Costa yeah. Rica and a couple other places um, people who placed bets with Kraus told investigators that Kraus provided them with a line of credit and a login for their site <laughs> they would pay Kraus directly and even and Kraus even offered money to them in exchange for referring him to other bettors yeah. he would run accounts and make the bets um, yeah he would like take accounts over yeah uh, and he would like which is highly I think illegal yeah a fighter that he coached cut a promo of sorts for his discord service stating that Kraus is heavily in the know of, of insider was, uh, information Molina. yeah Molina for fighting coaching and his relationships with fighters basically saying he knows when fighters are hurt mm-hmm. when matchups get made and don't get announced like how guys are looking in their camp he made he said all that in his he promo. said all this in a, like a promo in their discord in their discord so, he says so james Krause sell like he had a discord where you could pay a monthly fee to be in it and he was giving picks yeah it was called and, like the one percenter or something yeah and i think jeff molina is it jeff molina yeah uh he like wrote in there like all this about like basically saying like yeah he knows everything. And he said James Betts have paid all my bills and my mortgage. Like him placing bets with James has done that. Um, oh, it's bad. Man. Also noted that until bad. more recently, the UFC obviously hasn't had a strong stance on betting. They hadn't until October. Obviously, being the sponsor of DraftKings, they weren't prohibiting betting by fighters or their teams, including on their own fights, until that announcement last October. Yeah. So all this wasn't even against the rules. Sure. Now against the law. That's where it gets sticky because guys who the basically these companies overseas reach out to people in the U.S. to be the people who get the money and send it over. Sure, but there's obviously money laundering, tax evasion. There's a lot of things. Well, that can yeah, go into that's that. why, and I think that's why they said he's being like investigated by like three or four different branches 
in the federal government. Mm-hmm. And they have for, um, for fraud, tax evasion, money laundering, all that. Yeah. And they reached out to <laughs> Derek Minner yeah. and he basically said like, there's no, like he, he basically put out that he had nothing to do as far as like throwing a fight. Now he doesn't, he can't say for sure if, you know, cross wasn't in the background saying, Hey guys, Minner's out here looking bad, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but and then obviously with Kraus laying out his whole operation on an interview with Hawani, you know, months before, it wasn't something that he was worried about yeah. being illegal or being a problem until obviously now the feds are involved and this is a whole big bigger situation, which there hasn't been any arrests that I've seen. Obviously Kraus has made no statements. Um, nobody connected to him is really making any statements. But that Molina has been released by the UFC, obviously Minner has and then Kraus. Yeah. So who knows where that situation is going? It does not look very great for James Krause. But who knows, based on because they said that for his Discord, the the membership price, some people were paying up to like twenty thousand dollars a month, a month to a be month. in it. So that lets you know how much money they're making from it, because obviously yeah. there has to be some profit there. So how much money do you think James? Because like they also said in the same interview that some of the other people that were investigated say that like managers and like coaches of teams have been doing this for a while. So that's what I was about to say is, you know, I, I'm sure there's like an FBI probe into this or something. And it's like, how far down the, the chain is this going to get? Because where was he getting all his information? You know, was, is there managers and coaches that have been, you know, leaking information mm-hmm. to him now for, for who knows how long right. that are going to get caught up in this too. Probably so got a lot of sweaty palms going on right Ooh-wee. now. So this gets announced and then even still, they're still cutting promos for DraftKings, hundred dollar bet on this. So the UFC is in a, in, they're in another spot, even with this situation where they probably kind of want to keep it out of the eye because they want people to still be betting with DraftKings and these other things, because that's you know part of their revenue now. Um, moving on. Uh, last week we re- recorded uh, the uh, podcast and then about an hour later it announced that Khabib was confirming <laughs> reports yeah, yeah. on his Instagram story that he plans to completely leave the sport of MMA and coaching to be with his family, writing that he went through the end of the year. It's certainly been a very busy and successful year. Take care, brother. I hope my decision will only benefit. I hugged you all tightly. Thank you. You have been a big reason for my success with the sport. Uh, his manager confirming that he will not be in Islam's corner for his upcoming super fight. It doesn't seem like everybody on his team is believing that he's leaving the sport and coaching forever. Some thinking that it's the traveling for the camps and certain things like that have just become a little bit too much for him recently. It's hard not to believe him, man. Yeah. I mean, everybody thought when he walked away, like, oh, you know, he'll be back. Dude, I believe him. I really do. Our 2022 coach of the year. Yeah. Apparently one time he'll never get it again. <laughs> right. Well, and then, you know, we, there's a lot of big things coming in. Obviously, Islam has a super fight. Uh, you know, I have an announcement in here for Usman. Um, there's a lot of those guys got a lot of big fights coming up now because Khabib's built him up to this point. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens How when it he's not there those guys. in that corner being that voice. Well, and, and I told you. Oh, no, you're good. Yeah, I was just going to say, did, did he say anything about doing it like the Eagles MMA or the, uh, his promote his fight promotion it sounds like he's stepping away from everything, everything mma yeah. related because okay. it, it said that he wanted to pursue non-fight businesses and then spend time with his family yeah i mean i told you guys you know like just kind of echoing the the how it affects guys is and i i only say that because you've heard those guys talk about you know and embedded and different stuff how much it means to have him there in the room and how much he kind of pushes them mm-hmm. and uh pays for camps for guys well yeah just the will to train and be there every day and like almost like i told you example. guys like like a king on a battlefield like fight mm-hmm. for your king you know right. like he kind of brings that spirit of like they want to do good for him so um it will be interesting you have to you have to think there will be some 
maybe not immediate effect, but maybe over a year, two years, mm-hmm. the further away that he gets from that team and the sport, um, if this is true, which I do believe it, um, how that'll affect him. What will be really telling, too, is if one of these guys, like if Islam loses this fight, if he's like, okay, hold on, these guys need me, or if it's a, no, nah, man, you know, I got you here, you yeah. know what you need to do, you got to do it. So. No, I, just, I think he's just, I think that there's very few people in this world who are just genuine human beings, and I think especially mm, at yeah, that at that pinnacle of, of a sport, um, and he's at that pinnacle of a sport, so, and I just think that he, even like with this decision, epitomizes that. Like, I right. just genuinely see him going home, spending time with his family, and just, Living yeah. that his way, values the is just align different than yeah, regular athletes. Just, sure, you know. So, kudos to him, man. That's yeah. really awesome. Definitely good for him. Definitely going to be um, a big blow to you know what they're trying to do with the, those group of people. But you know, Javier Mendez is still an amazing coach. There's still an amazing team around. They spent so. a lot of time with Habib, so. right? Um, also, I wanted to bring up Aljamain Sterling saying uh, when asked about if March return, saying a March return is unlikely. It's whether or not I can compete with this torn bicep again. Is it realistic for me to fight in March? I don't really think it is. So obviously putting the fight between him and Cejudo in a bad spot. Sean O'Malley obviously coming out saying that he would like to fight Cejudo. Yeah, I'm hearing that. There's a big chance that Cejudo and O'Malley uh, Which crazy. do an interim. <laughs> can you imagine the, the, the build-up for that? Oh, my gosh. Them two. What's your early prediction for that one? Yeah, throw one out there. Ready, set, go. Cejudo. Okay. <laughs> O'Malley, that wrestling is going to be a lot. And you're not going to be able to get good enough to deal with Cejudo at this point. Cejudo's been out for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Um, and some other outside of the UFC news, AJ McKee signs a new deal with Bellator, which before, you know, these, this last year, there's been a lot of talks about him wanting to come to the UFC and kind of test himself. But he is re-signing. Among that announcement, Bellator announced its list for the lightweight Grand Prix, including current champ Usman or Magomedov, AJ McKee, Patricky Pitbull, and Benson Henderson. Benson Henderson actually getting a first shot at the title in the first round of the Grand Prix as he matches up with Usman. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to uh, – or some fight announcements. Obviously, we talked about John Jones and Cyril Ghosn. Um, we have the UFC finalizing a lightweight bout between Justin Gaethje and Rafael Faziv mm-hmm. in March in London. It's big. Another big fight to add to that 285 that we're talking about with John Jones and Gone is there's a rumor that they're trying to put together Charles Oliveira and Benil Darush. Um, I know Charles had been kind of quoted in saying that he doesn't know if Benil's like the type of big fight he needs right now, which I don't necessarily see, but that's a huge fight for both of them. Whoever wins that could easily put themselves in a spot to challenge whoever wins this super fight coming up. Um, Gunnar Nelson versus Daniel Rodriguez for uh, UFC 286. It's fun. Um, this is probably the, one of the craziest things I've ever said out loud, but 1FC is announcing a million-dollar open weight class Muay Thai tournament. Where there's going to be the Rod Tang, like their champion, mm-hmm. can fight a heavyweight in Muay Thai. So it's completely like UFC 1 style. That's awesome. Alistair Overeem actually coming out saying he wants to be a part oh, of it. Oh, God. Can you imagine Overeem versus That's what Rose I'm saying. <laughs> like, I, I've never even, like, to even fathom that is crazy now. Mm-hmm. Like, UFC 1 and 2 is like, oh, yeah, that's how it went. But now, like, how that the optics of that are going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Last bit of news I got is uh, in boxing, Errol Spence and Keith Thurman finalizing a deal to fight in April. Diego Sanchez somehow gets sanctioned to fight a former boxing champion, Austin Trout and Bare Knuckle. Uh, KSI winning via second-round knockout against his replacement for Dylan Danis. Definitely dodged a bullet there. I don't know if you've seen how that one went, but 
think Dylan Dennis would have went to sleep in that one against KSI. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And then um, Jose Aldo making his pro debut boxing in Brazil. No details yet, but it's targeted for February. And the last bit of random news I have for you guys is UFC referee Mark Goddard promoted a second-degree black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Cool. Not as cool as a purple belt, right, Brandon? Boom. Uh, oh, cool. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> song of the week. I'm gonna go, Lil Baby and Young Thug. Never hating. Yeah, you like that one, Brandon? Don't know. Oh. Never heard it. Because he's hating. That's true. Uh, John, what is your one for the people? Um, my one for the people is um. Watching kids' sports is hilarious, and you guys should do <laughs> yeah, it more. I watched my nephew's first basketball game <laughs> today. Really Three kids got hit in the head with a basketball. Um, they all kept on falling over each other. It was amazing. I loved it. So this is gonna this is random, but it actually uh, this actually happened. I was offered to coach T-ball. Oh man, I wish you had done that. I would have loved to see you handle. Like the offers on the table. Please oh. do it. Should I do it? Yeah. My sister asked me. I think every team my nephew has played on. To coach and I, I can't do it. I've never played. I my dad coached me and it was zero um, patience. And if it. you know my dad, it, practices were hilarious. I'll mm. just say that teaching a kid to run from home plate to first base or which no, I'm good. No, yeah. I'm good. I think I could do it. I, call I like call me when they know how to do something, and then I'll go from there. Oh, <laughs> like, oh boy, let, let's get to, let's get I, you know, at least get to live arm baseball. You yeah. know, then then I can step in. At least get to what? Like live arm where we're not pitching. the pitching. Like, oh, uh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, without the machine. Yeah. Gotcha. But what I will say is, uh, what made it fun is that like when my nephew seen that like me and my mom and everybody was there, he just like lit up, and you can tell he was having so much fun. Mm. Dude, that's the biggest thing. Show up. Yeah. That's so that's so massive. I think for kids, like same thing. Like anytime we go to stuff for your nephews or like my nephews, it's like you don't even think you you being there does anything, but they just get so excited. Yeah. It's awesome. Mm. One for the people. That was it. What was it? I'm. 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 Coach, oh, yeah. <laughs> coaching. Yeah, I'm coaching. What? Yeah. Uh, Major league T-ball. <laughs> Are you gonna wear like a polo? Are you gonna take like super serious? Get a clipboard, jeans, and a t-shirt. It's my go-to. My one for the people. Uh, I am back on days. Finally. Congratulations. Oh, my Welcome gosh. back. I have been. I've been stuck on an off shift folks since august of mm -hmm. last year second shift for about three months uh then i had those three or four weeks where i literally did every shift consecutively for like three weeks seconds thirds first came back on first shift last week got sent back to third shift and now we got the move we needed we're back on let's days. go so, so how long does that last hopefully indefinitely <laughs> shouldn't be any issues now for at least for a while but I say that to say that, honestly, I can say there's some things on the pod. I mean, clearly, if we're getting to the point of forgetting the one for the – or a uh, fun fact, I mean, like, that's an all-time low for me. Yeah. That's my thing. I look forward to that. Yeah. yeah that, that tells you. He probably so. isn't going to sleep very well tonight, let's be honest. Oh, dude, it just ate at me. Like, literally realized it when I opened my laptop right before, and I'm like, no. Even players mess up, man. But you best believe I'm bringing the heat next week. <laughs> So come back. We'll recap UFC 283. Then we get a week off. Nothing mm -hmm. to preview. Um, and then we have that weird 1 a.m. Sergey oh, Spivak versus Derek Lewis. Did you know about that? 1 a.m.? Yeah, it's we'll it. talk about it. Yeah, we're going to talk about it next week. So come back if you're curious. So then we'll see you. Peace. Peace.